Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. let us come to a time where we are honest with God, honest with ourselves, and honest with one another. Let us now confess our sin. God, we saw you entering the city, and we shouted, Hosanna, Savior, Messiah. We praised you. Yet it only took a week for us to forget, for our cries to change, to crucify, crucify, crucify. Forgive us for how quickly we turn to violence. Forgive us for how short our memories tend to be. Do not abandon us, God, but sustain us a generous spirit and restore us to be peacemakers for your kingdom. 
Ultimately, we cry out to you, save us, Jesus. And hear us now as we pray silently. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to the Spirit, three in one, as it was in the beginning, and Friends, hear the good news. We've been told that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We are forgiven in Christ Jesus. Forgiven, called to forgive. Loved, called to love. Let us live in peace with God and one another. And now for Holy Interruption. Hey y'all, this is Lauren and Andrew Renault. We're so happy to be coming to you this week during the Holy Interruption. Really hoping this year, especially Lent, feels like a fresh start for everyone after a very challenging 2020. We've been really happy to be able to be back and meeting in person, even if we did get rained out last week at communion. We're especially looking forward to possibly being able to be inside at Easter this year. Also ready to get back and see our small group in person. CJ and Jess have been promising a cookout as soon as we can gather safely. Anyway, we miss being able to see everyone in person and hope that all may be coming to an end very soon. Take care, stay safe, and we hope to see y'all before too long. If you're enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too. Our scripture reading for this Palm Sunday comes from the Gospel according to John. Chapter 12, I'm reading verses 12 through 17. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus, he found a donkey and he sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then... They remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to testify. 
The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of today's sermon is, Are We There Yet? We've all been that kid. We've all been that kid in the back seat of the car on the nine-hour drive to Florida who, 30 minutes into the drive, starts asking, are we there yet? And then we don't stop asking for the eight and a half hours to come. We know what it's like to be on our way somewhere and so ready to arrive that we'd really just like to know how much longer until we get there. It seems like all we're doing right now with pent up energy to get to somewhere else, we're asking no driver in particular, hey, are we there yet? Are we at a place where things are going to be different? Have we arrived in a new place where the rules shift and change? Can we get out of the car and stretch our legs? Can we unload our baggage and walk away from it? And can we please get away from these siblings that are all over us and be alone or in a crowd of strangers? I don't care. Anything that shifts up this sameness, this confinement, this reality. There's this pent-up energy among us, like a bull in a stand, ready to rush out, ready to do something, anything different. Except maybe not all of us feel that way. Some of us are scared, quite honestly, about what this new normal will look like, what, what is coming next. We're worried about the social environments after we've been sharing every Friday night and Wednesday night and Tuesday night in our comfy sweats on the couch. I've got to believe that if I, Dawn Hyde, who ranks off the charts as an extrovert, is a little nervous about parties because it's been so long, then there've got to been some uh, there've got to be some other nervous bodies out there. We're eager. We're nervous. We're ready. And we're close. We can feel the momentum, the catalyst in time, the bull waiting, ready to go, hoping for the signal. And it is this momentous energy that puts us right where the crowd is. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, change is in the air. Something is coming. Everything is about to change, just like everything changed for us a year ago. Except this time we are ready for the change. Like we are, we are wanting it. We can't wait for it, it to come right now. In the crowd surrounding Jesus, people did all sorts of things to celebrate this change coming. They showed up in the streets. They took off their outer coats and put them on the ground to make this like makeshift red carpet for Jesus. They picked up loose branches and swung them in the air from the outside. Looking in, it was a low-budget parade. No candy, no plastic floats, but plenty of fanfare and noise. It drew attention from everyone in Jerusalem. Everyone focused on this person passing through the symbol of change, Jesus, the king. And then, and then people start hollering, Hosanna. Hosanna, which means save us. Save us, Jesus. Save us from wearing masks 
Save us from the fear of potentially killing someone we love. Save us from ourselves. And then you hear the individual, save me. Save me from this abusive relationship. Save me from this sinking business. Save me from my suicidal thoughts. Save me. Come to think of it, that cry, save me, it's not all that different from the question, are we there yet? We're pleading with the driver. Have we arrived yet? Can we get out of our car and stretch our legs yet? Is the change going to be what we want it to be? Ah, that is the unknown. Those of us in the crowd have expectations of Jesus. Some have heard that Jesus heals the sick, and so, so the cry is, Jesus, heal me, or Jesus, heal my son. And some have hungry bellies that growl day and night, and, and they've heard that Jesus can turn scraps into feasts, and so they yell, Jesus, feed me, feed my hungry neighbor. Some are suffering, their business is suffering at the hands of the Roman Empire. And, and so they, they want Jesus to go into Jerusalem and overturn the king. They cry out, Jesus, overthrow the king, be our king. And some in the crowd are stuck, stuck in abusive relationships. And they, they've heard that Jesus sees the unseen. So they cry out, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I can't. I need you. Save me. The essence of this day, Palm Sunday, is the declaration made by the crowd about Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus saves us. And Jesus doesn't always save us in the ways that we expect. In fact, at this point in the gospel story, Jesus doesn't do much more healing or feeding or seeing or overthrowing. Jesus walks a pretty lonely road to Jerusalem. Sure, he's surrounded by people, but his walk is alone. Jesus encounters betrayal among his friends. He's beaten and crucified He didn't measure up to the particular saving those in the crowd imagined in that moment, but he did become our king, our savior, the one who conquers death and suffering once and through all, through his death and resurrection for eternity. Still, when I situate us in the crowd, I've I've got to wonder about the disappointment the crowd felt when Jesus doesn't live up to our expectations of what we think it means to save us. This happens a lot. We hear about it throughout scripture when our imagination doesn't live up to God's imagination. God's plan for the redemption of the world told to us through the prophets and through Jesus himself. It's so wild that no one understands it. Not even thousands of years later, as you and I talk about it today. All we need to know is that Jesus' death was about us. It was for us. There's a lot we learn 
when we read the story of Jesus' final days in the flesh on this earth. The world betrays him, and Jesus doesn't retaliate. He doesn't give us what he wants, which is some he doesn't give us what we want, which is some sort of response, you know? We want him to say a mumbling word, say something. We want him to protest what the world does to him, but Jesus subverts all of our attachments. Jesus subverts all of our attachments and rises from the dead. In his humility, He takes on every anger, every retaliation, every act of violence, every pang of suffering of this world, and he saves us. As I think about how quickly our world changes, the one thing, the one thing that keeps me centered is honesty in the essence of our cry, save me. It's really a prayer we make every second of every day. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me from whatever pain I'm experiencing. Jesus, save me from whatever pain I'm watching someone I love undergo. Jesus, save me from whatever pain I'm inflicting on someone else. Go on already, Jesus, save me. As you and I walk through this week together, holy week, toward Good Friday and then Easter, I invite you to walk slowly. Resist the compulsive energy around us to hurry up Easter, to hurry up what comes next. Take some time this week to read a few chapters in Scripture of what Jesus does for us. Read the passion story, the the last little bit of Jesus' life walking on to his death. And you don't have to make sense of it all to appreciate what Jesus undergoes for us. Or you could look up Lucas's Lent devotional videos about Jesus' last seven words. You can sit with the gravity of how much Jesus loves us. And then when you make your prayer, however you finish it, say these words, Jesus, Save us. Amen. Not a word, not a word, not a word
Hey, Don. Hey, Lucas. Happy Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. Does it feel weird recording this not on Palm Sunday? Yeah, but you know, I've just embraced the weird for the last year. So I wrote my Easter homily before writing the Palm Sunday homily, and that's weird. <laughs> but, you know, it's good to try new things. Keep yeah. us on our toes. See things from a new perspective. That's, that isn't, that's true. So, do you like parades? Hmm. I did as a kid. I remember uh, climbing up and my dad would let us like sit on his shoulders so that we could be tall enough to see over. And I, I did really like the anticipation of what's coming next and the movement and, of course, the candy. Hmm. Um, today, not so much. No. What about you? I used to love them as kids. My favorite was the St. Patrick's Day Parade mm-hmm. in Raleigh. Uh, there was just, I love marching bands. I love bagpipes. I love the little Shriners with their cars. Oh, yeah, the, those are the cool. Go karts. Those are cool. But I think as a kid, it, the parades, everything felt so grand and magical. But as an adult now, it's just like, oh, this is just kind of a crowd that I don't want to be around. But I think it's funny how this parade just popped up kind of organically. And I'm curious, what would you have been doing if you were in this situation and saw Jesus coming in on a cult? What would that feeling be like? Where would you go? Mm. Would you would you sit and watch? Would you say, eh? I, I would definitely go toward it. I, I was thinking about that uh, this week as I was trying to situate myself in the crowd and 
you know, I think we all think like, oh, we'd be a disciple. We'd be right there with Jesus. But we could just be, you know, a baker in Jerusalem, not just, but a, a baker in, in um, Jerusalem or a guard or, um, you know, carrying water um, and maybe not know about who he is at all. And so seeing an impromptu crowd gather, at least it's my human instinct to like go toward it and see, you know, what's going on. Um, One thing I love about parades too, in a modern context, is that you can't buy seats or maybe for the Rose Bowl and that kind of stuff. But like, it's the great equalizer of no matter how much money you have or how many, how much resources you have, you're going to be standing on the street watching these things go by. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder with Jesus's entrance, who was standing next to each other that normally wouldn't, Mm -hmm. who was witnessing this, uh, for the first time next to a stranger. Mm-hmm. And what were they talking about? Mm-hmm. And there is a public nature to everything Jesus does. You know, like there's only a few times he goes away from the crowd, intentionally goes away from the crowd to take a nap or to, you know, climb a mountain and pray and be by himself. But so much of his ministry and definitely this end part of his life leading up to his death and resurrection is so public. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're exactly right. It, it's beautiful in that it allows anyone and everyone to get to witness what he's doing and his demeanor at that time. And it's not triumphant really, you know, like, um, he's kind of poking a lot of scholars think that he's poking fun of, or like kind of rebelling against the classic Roman entrance entrance on a chariot where a Mm -hmm. King would come in and say, I've conquered this. And there'd be this huge parade and big ordeal. And here he comes on a donkey. Mm-hmm. And and just the almost political move that it is of he's like I'm coming to rifle up some feathers mm-hmm. and change and change some things, um, but does and it in yet such a way? Yeah, he doesn't. Like that's the thing that. So I I remember reading all of that in seminary and being really fascinated because growing up as a kid it was just everybody gets a palm and it's joyful and it's fun and it's just like the precursor to Easter, you mm-hmm. know. And then I remember reading like, oh, he's like it's a revolt. But then I'm like, but it's not like the rebels who were in the crowd really wanting him to overturn the Roman empire. He doesn't, he dies at their hands. He does it in the way that we want him to, mm-hmm. which I think is just such a good reminder about who Jesus is because he is someone who loves and sees and heals and raises from the dead. And he doesn't fit in any one of our boxes about who we want him to be for us, for our agenda, for the kingdom that we see right now, mm. which is challenging, yeah. no matter who you are. I'm curious, how has Jesus saved you in a way that you didn't expect? Mm. Or what, I think what you're saying is the way that Jesus, and you. this is my favorite quote from the whole sermon, our imagination often doesn't live up to God's imagination. And mm-hmm. I would say our imagination never. rarely or never <laughs> lives up to God's imagination. I was being kind. Yeah, you're, was, you're so there's generous. There's probably someone out there where it has, you know, but that hasn't been my experience. Yeah, maybe some grand artist that can capture something beautiful. But Yeah, so um, it, when I lived in San Francisco and was pastoring a, a city church where, it's like downtown, downtown church where, you know, you open the sanctuary doors and you are on the streets downtown of the city. Uh, I met this woman, Roxanne, uh, and the world had not been kind to her. Like she had served um, in the Vietnam War and um, 
had a, a trach put in her throat and had, you know, suffered many um, bullet wounds and had been abused. And um, she herself was uh, abusing alcohol and other substances. And um, man, she drained me. <laughs> she wore me out, especially on Sundays mm-hmm. and, and our leadership too, because um, she had so many needs. But at the same time, I do feel like she saved me in, in that she um, gave me a real sensitivity and heart um, for those that I would just pass normally on a street. Like I, I went to cookout last night and as I was driving through, there's this woman just standing there, like making eye contact with everyone coming through, probably hungry, you know, and I can't help but think of Roxanne. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's, I, I do think there's a, and that is, that's not how I want to be saved. I'm just going to be straight up honest. That is an exhausting way to connect to God um, through other people's pain and just being mm. with them in it, especially my personality. And I just, I hold on to, to people and their pain. So that's work, you know, that's emotional mm. work for me. But I do think that, um, and then maybe in ways I haven't even really tapped into or um, just thought through, I think she has saved me in a way, given me a real sense of gratitude for the things that are um, really great in this world uh, for another day of life. Like I, I feel like so much I don't take for granted anymore after having a friend like Roxanne. Mm. And it all started with a sometimes frustrating and draining relationship. Oh man, yeah. I could tell you some stories. <laughs> I could tell you some stories. One of the my favorite questions I like to ask people um, is what is saving your life right now? Mm. I think it, it kind of gets past the how are you, what's going on. And so besides Jesus, who ultimately is always saving us, what is saving your life right now? Mm. You know, I'm going to flip that back on you because you've had more time to think about that question <laughs> than just putting it on I me. I think for me, <laughs> I was just texting with Gardner this morning just about spring and about like how it doesn't have to be this way. Like it doesn't, there don't have to be blooms. There don't have to be all this, there doesn't have to be all this regeneration, but God designed it that way as a season of, of life, of, of hope. And, and the, the news about the vaccines coupled with spring, coupled with longer days is saving my life right now. Mm. It is encouraging me. It is, propelling me. It is putting a smile on my face, even when I get bad news. Um, so, and then also relationships. And I think about this team. I was, we were talking last night, just like how awesome and amazing this team I get to work with and the elders and the church members and just the bits of awesomeness that everyone from this church show and their passion and the care they want to give to this city and to this church. Um, so there's a lot saving my life right now. That was a much better answer than mine was going to be like cookout milkshakes. I mean, cookout <laughs> milkshakes. That, that chocolate chocolate chip cheesecake milkshake last night that was, was phenomenal. Um, well, and for people who don't know, who is Gardner? Gardner's my fiance. Her and her son, Brooks, are going to be moving here in August. Um, and I am super pumped about it. Mm-hmm. I will say... Um, You know, we're so Easter is right around the corner, and we are um, opening up the doors, flinging wide the 
you know, garage doors Ooh. of our space Ooh. and um, and opening up downtown kids uh, to 18 months to eight-year-olds. And there is an energy. Um, it's palpable. It's undeniable. It's exciting um, for us to come back into the building and one of our elders was talking about like how excited he is for the chaos <laughs> you know like we're we're trying to do our best to um, keep everybody safe and manage all sorts of operational logistics and y'all there are a lot and uh, it was really grounding for me to hear him say like oh but I've missed that energy you know um, and being on the back lawn we have had a glimpse of that energy and also it's been pretty chill you know mm-hmm. and so this just adds a whole new element and I do love that change is constant and change is um, not always for the better, but um, it does point us towards resurrection. It does point us to the hope that you're talking about the season of spring, the, you know, no matter what we're enduring right now, whether it's pain or suffering or joy and gratitude, like, you know, we just got to show up and be present to it because it's going to change. Mm-hmm. Change is inevitable. Well, that was a good word, and it kind of it does a good job of getting me in this mindset of for Holy Week. So I'm really grateful as we meditate these next seven days that lead us towards the cross. So with that, let us go to God in prayer. God, the shortest prayer we need to say is, "Jesus, save us. Save us from ourselves." Save us from crushing loneliness. Save us from situations of pain, suffering, and oppression. From ventilators gasping for breath. From addiction and mental illness. Save us. Save us also from the idea that to follow you means that there will be no difficulty, no pain, or no tension. Save us from the flimsy dogma of prosperity gospel and the harm that it produces to your world. Save us from our biases that only cause division and promote xenophobia. Save us from our doubts that tell us that we cannot change the world to look more like your kingdom. Save us from the boxes we try to put others in and sometimes put around ourselves. Hosanna in the highest, Lord Jesus. Save us. And hear us now as we pray together the prayer that you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, the glory forever. Amen. They got sisters and brothers Fighting against one another They got dreams and schemes And build war machines To try to outdo each other They got children that are starving But that don't bother them 
Receive now this benediction. Jesus, save us. Jesus saves us. As you go from this time of worship, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may it be with you and with all those you love and with all those nobody loves. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give. Special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Sean Thompson, Arisha Connor Frierson, Lindsay Blair Simmons, and Aaron Mitteke. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. All glory, laud, and honor originally translated to English by John Mason Neal, Gloria Patry by City Hymns, Never Said a Mumbling Word by The Welcome Wagon, Save Me Jesus by Bobby Charles. Music covered under license CCS number 11209. Scripture quoted by the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Theological Musings and Prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Don Hyde. <laughs>